I'm going to talk about somebody in Scripture. And I want to begin by talking about somebody else or several somebody else's. Some things that just are said about people. Methuselah, after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. You know, just some, there's some statements made about some people in Scripture that just kind of hang with you, or should. And for 300 years, he walked with God, and, he, and, and then God took him. Also, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation. Noah walked with God. And But since then, there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. This man is a great man. But he didn't get to go into the promised land that we talked about in class a few minutes ago. Jehoshaphat, talking about him, it says in 2 Chronicles 17, 6, and his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. That's just something about that. just rings. And then Ezra. Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. He's an expert in the words of the commandments of the Lord and of his statutes in Israel. So Ezra, his desire was to teach this law that God had set up. And so he became an expert in it. So he could, he could tell what needed to be told. And finally in Acts 18, or 13 verse 22, and when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. So we, we recognize that about David, that he's a man after God's own heart. We know that. He, he removed King Saul because Saul was not, and Saul wouldn't do what God wanted done. But I want to talk about a man this morning of which there are really no statements, no flowery words written about him. Not much is said about him, actually. He just wanted to serve the Lord. That's all he wanted to do. And I want to talk to you about Jehoiada, the priest. So if you would, turn to 2 Kings chapter 11. The time frame here is uh, in Israel is the divided kingdom. Israel and Judah in the south, Israel uh, in the north. And um, so that's where we are. Before we really read anything, I want to explain some relatives here because it won't mean anything to you if you don't remember. And, it, and I keep thinking about these things. By the way, when I had to mark my outline, there were a couple of mistakes in it. I hope you saw them. I hope they're corrected now. But anyway, the first one is King Ahaziah of Judah is the son of Athaliah. Now, Athaliah is the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel in Israel. That ought to tell you something. Athaliah is sister to King Joram of Israel. So we have the, the, the kings have 
uh, allied themselves with one another. And so Ahaziah and Joram joined forces to fight against Jehu, who was already anointed to be the next king of Israel. And so Joram is killed in a battle fighting against Jehu, who was the anointed king uh, of the next king of Israel. And so with that, turn, well, actually, let's turn to 2 Kings chapter 9, verses 27. 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 27. This is just some, some background. But when Ahaziah, king of Judah, saw this, he fled by the road to Beth Hagen. So Jehu pursued him and said, shoot him also in the chariot. And they shot him in the, at the ascent of Ger, which is by Iblim. Then he fled to Megiddo and died there. And his servants carried him uh, in his, the chariot to Jerusalem and buried him in his tomb with his fathers in the city of David. In the eleventh year of Joram, the son of Ahab, Ahaziah became king over Judah. So Ahaziah is wounded by Jehu's soldiers in the battle, and he goes to Megiddo and dies, and they, he's carried to Babylon or, or to Jerusalem, and he's buried there. So you see something in Second Chronicles that says the last sentence in Second Chronicles twenty-two nine says, "So the house of Ahaziah had no one to assume power over the kingdom." Now, let's look at 2 Kings 11. Let's start in verse 1. 2 Kings 11, verse 1. When Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the royal heirs. But Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King Joram, sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the king's sons, who were being murdered, and they hid him and his nurse in the bedroom from Athaliah so that he was not killed. So he was hidden with her in the house of the Lord for six years while Athaliah reigned over the land. So Athaliah kills all the royal heirs, and so maybe that's why it says in Second Chronicles 22 there's no one to assume power over the kingdom. And so Jehoshaphat took uh, uh, Joash, and he has another name when he assumed the throne, Jehoash. She took him and hid him for six years while Athaliah was the ruler. So let's, now Jehoiada begins to come into the picture. Actually, Jehoiada is married to Jehoshaphat, the, the lady who, who, who stole, kept Joash from being killed. So in 2 Kings 11, verses 4 through 12, in the seventh year, Jehoiada sent and brought the captains of hundreds of the bodyguards and the escorts and brought them into the house of the Lord to him. And he made a covenant with them and took an oath from them in the house of the Lord and showed them the king's son. Then he commanded them, saying, This is what you shall do. One third of you will come on duty on the Sabbath, shall be keeping watch over the king's house. One third shall be at the gate of Sir, and one third at the gate behind the escorts. You shall keep the watch of the house lest it be broken down. The two contingents of you who go off duty on the Sabbath will keep the watch of the house of the Lord for the king. But you shall surround the king on all sides, every man with his weapons in his hand, and whoever comes within range, let him be put to death. 
you are to be with the king as he goes out and as he comes in. So the captains of the hundreds did according to all that Jehoiada the priest commanded. Each of them took his men who were to be on duty on the Sabbath with those who were going off duty on the Sabbath and came to Jehoiada the priest. And the priest gave the captains of hundreds the spears and the shields which belonged to King David that were in the temple of the Lord. Then the escort stood, every man with his weapons in his hand, all around the king from the right, hand, right side of the temple to the left side of the temple by the altar and the house. And he brought out the king's sons, put, put the crown on him, and gave him the testimony that he, they had made. They made him king and anointed him. And they clapped their hands and said, Long live the king. So in those verses, what we get out of it is Dave, or Jehoiada did everything he can to protect Joash from whoever might want to assassinate him. And then he crowned him king of Judah, and he's seven years old. Now let's look at verses 13 through 16. Now when Athaliah heard the noise of the escorts and the people, she came to the temple, she came to the people in the temple of the Lord. When she looked, there was the king standing by a pillar according to the custom, and the leaders of the trumpeters were by the king. All the people of the land were rejoicing and blowing trumpets. So Athaliah tore her clothes and cried out, Treason, treason. And Jehoiada the priest commanded the captains of the hundreds, the officers of the army, and said to them, Take her outside under guard and slay her, and slay with the sword whoever follows her. For the priest has said, Do not let her be killed in the house of the Lord. So they seized her, and she went by the way of the horse's entrance into the king's house, and there she was killed. So in those verses, Jehoiada had Athaliah killed. She's the one that had been reigning, although she had no right to. She's the one that had been reigning. Second Kings 7, 11, verses 17 through 21. Then Jehoiada made a covenant between the Lord, the king, and the people that they should be the Lord's people and also between the king and the people. And all the people of the land went to the temple of Baal and tore it down. They thoroughly broke in pieces its altars and images and killed Matan, the priest of Baal, before the altars. And the priest appointed officers over the house of the Lord. Then he took the captains of hundreds, the bodyguards, the escorts, and all the people of the land, and they brought the king down from the house of the Lord and went by the way of the gate of the escorts uh, to the king's house. And he sat on the throne of the kings. So all the people of the land rejoiced, and the city was quiet, for they had slain Athaliah with the sword in the king's house. Joash, Jehoash was seven years old when he became king. So Jehoiada made a covenant that they should be the Lord's people. They tore down the temple of Baal. It sounds like it happened right after they made this covenant. And they broke in pieces the altars and images and killed the priest. In 2 Kings chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, In the seventh year of Jehu, Jehoash became king, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zibia or Zibia. Of Beersheba, Jehoash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days in which Jehoiada the priest instructed him. So, here we have Jehoiada doing all of what we just talked about, and then 
while, he, while Jehoash is reigning, Jehoiada is instructing him. And all the time that he's alive, what did it say? He was right in the sight of the Lord all the days in which Jehoiada the priest taught him, instructed him. Now, why is Jehoiada important? What's so important? You get the same story in Second Chronicles, by the way, and a little bit more. And we didn't cover everything in this. But why is Jehoiada important? First of all, he restored the proper line of kings in Judah, back to David's line. Athaliah, daughter of Jezebel. She introduced, if I remember, Baal worship in Israel, in Judah, in Israel. So she didn't need to be reigning. She's not going to do what's right. She's killed all the heirs. So he says we need to get the right king back in, in, on the throne. So God's plan is being carried out to get us to Christ of the seed of God. And I often think, so sometimes I go to the office, got my plans, what I'm going to do for the day, and I leave, and the phone rings, and I'm going 180 degrees in the other direction. It just changes unbeknownst to me that that's what's going to happen but God is working this out to the Christ to get to that point I, I remember in the prophecies that Pharaoh Jenkins years ago talked about the innumerable contingencies that could happen to prevent God's plan from being carried out yet God's plan was carried out Jehoiada was an instrument that God used to carry out his plan. What we find out is all of that could be said and done. It wasn't about Jehoiada. He could, but he didn't try to make himself ruler. Now, he's probably uh, behind the throne uh, suggesting to Joash, Jehoash, what should be done, but he's not ruling. It wasn't about him. He, but he did seem to have that it thing that people would follow him in doing what was right. So he was important in God's plan. We just don't know much about him. What else did he do? He got rid of an ungodly influence. This woman killed the heirs to be the future king on the throne. She killed them all except one was stolen from her and they didn't. They didn't miss, they didn't get him. Her parents is, her, her introduced Baal worship. So this is not who needs to be ruling in, in Judah. So he got rid of an ungodly influence. So we are face to face with these ungodly influences every day. It's us. We're right in the middle of these kind of influences. Are we going to get rid of them? Are we going to remove ourselves from them? Or what are we going to do? What are we going to do? There's worldly people trying to get us to sin all the time. TV, radio, the music industry is, well, the music you can hear on the radio now is not good. 
what we watch in TV is not too good. We need to be aware. We need to do something about that. If it's not the right kind of music, we need to change. Or we need to listen to sermons more. Or we need to watch less TV or whatever. But we need to surround ourselves with the right kind of influence like Jehoiada was. The spiritual influence that will help get us to heaven. Uh, Athaliah was not going to be that influence. And so she needed to be removed, and she was. As a result, the temple is repaired. We didn't read about that. But Jehoash decided, probably under the influence of Jehoiada, that the temple needed to be repaired. And it was. In 2 Kings chapter 12, verse 2, again, Jehoash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days in which Jehoiada the priest instructed him. That's the kind of influence that we need to be surrounded by. And that's the kind of influence I need to be. It's a good thing for us to be here to strengthen each other, to let your influence influence me, and maybe mine influence you. But all of us to know we're in this fight together, and it is indeed a fight. So what kind of influence are we? Are we uh, staying away from bad language and the bad jokes, or are we laughing it up with them? I mean, they're there. Where are we? If we're traveling, are we at the services with faithful saints Sunday and Wednesday? I mean, you can, you can plan your vacation or a trip so that you can worship with faithful saints on those days. You can. You can go on, online, and you can find them. I remember a story... Uh, I think Mark said they had to stay in Montana, wherever in Montana, for a couple of days extra so they could worship instead of going on. That's the thing we need to do. So is my mind being filled with godly influences? It's a little bit out of place, but that's okay. In, in Philippians chapter 4, in verse 8, it says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there is any virtue if there, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. We need to open the book. We need to open the Bible. We need to read God's word to us. His, the revelation of his mind. Think about that. That he's opened up and told us how we can be with him. But we've got to fight through all this in this life first. And we need his help. And here's our help. His word. What else about Jehoiada? This covenant thing. That they should be the Lord's people. I don't know if there's anything more important that he could have done. Decided that they're going to serve the Lord. That's what they'll do. This covenant, some interesting things I found. It's an agreement between two parties, a binding oath of promise, used to describe the relation between God and the people of God. 
It's an agreement establishing some relation normally involving the actual practice of shaking hands. We understand that. When you talking to Evan and we decide, let's do this and, you know, the shake of the hand and this agreement sealed. We understand that. In Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. God says, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my possession. That those in Christ belong to him. They're his. Because we have agreed with what he's laid out for us. This, uh, this covenant is not negotiated or compromised. The two of us, God and us, did not decide, we'll, you do this, we'll do this. No, let's check. That's not it. He says this I'll do. And we say, okay, I'll do that too. It's not negotiated. Therefore, we can't change it. There, we can't add to it. We can't take from it and make it more like what I want. No. It's his covenant. We agreed to it. It is binding. I have a quote that I've broken up into different colors, not one more, well, only one part more significant than the others. But uh, in many societies, and particularly in tribal ones, a covenant is a very significant bond between persons. It may, in fact, be the most important and lasting interpersonal relationship. It is seldom entered, to, entered into lightly, for in many societies, a covenant binds a person for a lifetime and may even involve willingness to die for the sake of the covenantal relationship. You think about this now. Tribal societies who we would think would be less civilized than us, when they enter into a covenant, that covenant is in force as long as they live, and they will die to fulfill their part of that covenant. I just think that's interesting. Non-biblical things here. But I just think that's interesting. Not entered into lightly. We have entered into such a covenant. We did. With a holy God. In Galatians th chapter 3 verses 26 and 27. We're baptized into Christ. We're sons of God by faith in Christ Jesus. There's no Jew and Greek. There's none of that. We're all Abraham's seed. Those that have been baptized in the Christ, that is. They have entered that covenant. And in Revelation 2, uh, verse 10, part of that verse is, Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Be faithful even if it costs you your life. He says, I'll give you life. I'll give you that crown of life. Paul was very aware in Second. Uh, Timothy 4, he says, I fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. Therefore is laid up for me the crown of 
righteousness, with a crown of life which the righteous judge will give and all, and to all those who will love his appearing. Or I butchered the statement. But anyway, he's, he's sure that he's going to have that crown of life. In Matthew 24, 13, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. Look at James 1, 2, 1, 12, rather. James 1, verse 12, where it says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. God promised us something. God promised us that if we'll do his will, if we'll stand up to these temptations, if we will not give in to these temptations, fight through it, he'll give us a crown of life. Which he has promised to those who love him. If we do all that, we've shown him that we love him. We didn't earn a reward, but we've shown him that that's what we want. Acts 13, verse 22, again. And when he had removed him, Saul, he set up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. What is it about Saul that David removed? What is it about David, uh, what is it about Saul that God removed and about David that God set him on the throne. Saul was rebellious and stubborn. He wouldn't do what God wanted him to do. God says of David, this is a man after my own heart. Think about that. Look at what David wrote, the Psalms and all. Look at what he wrote now. That his mind, it seems that all the time was working on things about God. Did he do it perfectly? Did he do all my will perfectly? No, no, he, he had faults. But he did everything God wanted done. Why do you think Jesus, God said of Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased? Because he did what God wanted him to do. His father wanted him to do. And so that's the way I have to decide that I will do that even if it costs me my life. I will serve him. I will do what he says. Jehoiada the priest, it says in 2 Chronicles 24, verse 15 and 16. Jehoiada grew old and was full of days and he died. He was 130 years old when he died and they buried him in the city of David among the kings because he had done good in Israel, both toward God and his house. It's worth remembering, probably, that he lived a long time, and they buried him with the kings, among the kings, wherever that was in Jerusalem, which is unusual for a priest to be done. I think it's unusual. But he did, because he had done good in Israel. For the Lord and for the kingdom. Could they say that about us? That we had done good for the Lord? And about his family?
You know, we decided, those that are baptized into Christ, who've had their sins washed away, that we would enter into this covenant relationship with the Lord. That we would do His will, not our will. We would lay our will aside. We would do what He said do. People fall away. People need the prayers of the saints sometimes. If you do, this is the time. Or if you've never been baptized into Christ, you're not in that relationship with him that will prove very fruitful after this life is over. Then you should be. Why don't you come while we stand and while we sing?